Freedom Center. You guys are going to have to set up more chairs. They're going on a diet or something. I mean, this place is full. This is good. Good to see you. Um, like they were saying, my name's Jim, and um, it's my privilege to serve you today as the, the teaching pastor, senior pastor of Freedom Center Church. If we haven't met after service today, I'd love to spend some time with you back in the guest room just to hang out, maybe hear a little bit about your story. One of the two questions we love to ask here a lot is, number one is, what did God save you from? And sometimes people say, I don't know what you're talking about. That starts a really good conversation. But if it, if it doesn't go that direction, it goes the other direction. where We just get to hear about the mercy of God, right? The second question we like to ask is, what do you believe God saved you for? Because if the purposes of God were to save you and take you to heaven, then when he saved you, he would have taken you to heaven. So how many guys know that it isn't just about going to heaven, it's about bringing heaven to earth? And how does God do that? God does that by, by empowering us with other earthly power, with the Holy Spirit. So for the, for the last um, three weeks, and now concluding the day, we've been talking about the book of Acts. Um, I told you about a stirring in my heart where God, I believe, is calling me to do more than just be a wise leader, but to be a, a powerful son of the living God, someone who can, can operate in the miraculous at a level that I, I have not known. Um, and I'm, I'm asking God for those things. And you'd be sure, how many guys know that when you ask God for something, it doesn't always come the way you thought it would? Anybody ever prayed for patience and found out how you actually get patience? All right. Anyone ever, you know, prayed for a dog, and, but you didn't realize dogs start off as puppies? And that, that takes a while of faith. My, my puppy faith is growing, but we've got stains all over the carpet. And we're trying to figure it out. How many guys know I think God would rather we did sincere mistakes than insincere, like we, we called it wisdom, but it was just cowardice? Right? So we're growing in this. And today is day 27 of a 28-day journey through the book of Acts, 28 chapters. Of course, the most important chapter is the one we'll be talking about today, and that is the 29th chapter. What is God doing today, and how can we be a part of that? So I hope that you'll continue to read through the book of Acts on the first of next month, the first of the next month, the first of the next month, reading through it and familiarizing yourself with what God can do when people are surrounded. So um, this may sound strange, but we're going to conclude our, our series on the book of Acts by going way back into the Old Testament to the book of First Kings. So open your Bibles to the book of First Kings. You say, what does the book of First Kings have to do with the book of Acts? It's not a, not a prophetic book that would be fulfilled in the book of Acts. But there's a story that we're going to go through today that really helps us to, to grasp what I believe God wants to say to this congregation today. So understand this, guys. The book of Acts is not the history of how God and men built the early church. You say, well... But that's what's in it. That's what's in it, but that's not what the book of Acts is. The book of Acts is not like, this is the early church, and they had this form of government. I've heard people say that. They read the book of Acts, and they gloss over all the miracles, signs, and wonders, and say, yes, but they had elders. They had, they had presbyters. They had deacons. And, and certainly, there's mechanics to this thing, but understand, mechanics, without, without plugging it into 220, is just a big machine that does nothing. And so if we're not careful, we'll, we'll mistake that the book of Acts is a, 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 a book about form. It's not. It's about function. It's about what the children of God can and can't do. So this is a great story. And understand this. It's the story of what God can do when his people are full of his spirit. What's the book of Acts? The book of Acts is taking ordinary people and exploding the power of heaven into their lives and through their lives so that heaven comes to earth. First Kings chapter 19. You guys ready? Here we go. The Lord said to Elijah, two characters in our story today, Elijah and Elisha. Every time I say Elijah, I'll say the elder, Elijah the elder, Elisha the younger, so you understand who they are because I talk way too fast. I got people say, amen. Um, the Lord said to Elijah, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Kimchi, he was a pickled kind of a guy, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha the younger, son of Shaphat from Abel, 
Abel, you're in the Bible, Dan. There it is. Uh, Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. What just happened? Elijah the elder just got fired. Elijah the elder, just prior to this, read the chapters prior to this, and he's not having a good day. Not only is he not having a good day, he's not having a good season. There, there's, there's this, there seems to be a bell curve in so many things in life. You know what I mean? That euphoric rise, that, that powerful crescendo and the gradual you know, plateau and decline. And this is what happens in his prophetic ministry. He's like, I, he was this up and coming and boom, miracles and amazing things and wars are being settled and leprosy and all this great stuff's going on. And all of a sudden, it, it kind of like he's having a bad day, a worse day, a worse day. How many of you guys know that when God is going to bring you a new season, he often brings, often brings a dissatisfaction? with the last season. Let me say that again because I stuttered. When God wants to bring a new season, there will often be a dissatisfaction with the last season. That's true in my life. That's true in marriages. That's true in families. That's true in congregations. That's true in the moving of the Spirit globally. When God wants to do something new, something amazing can happen, but as it goes down and becomes, I don't know, sometimes organized, agonized, polluted, diluted, all of a sudden God brings another movement. How many guys know God will never be without testimony in any generation? So we, it's important that we're following the Spirit where he's going today, not just where he was yesterday. Give me that old-time religion. It's a good song, but it's bad theology. It's not good enough for me. I want what God's doing today, right? So God has fired him, and like any man, he's thrilled about being dismissed. First Kings 19, skip over to verse 19. So Elijah, the elder, went from there and found Elisha, the younger, the son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair initiated, entrepreneur, engaged guy. Elijah, the elder, went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, this is what, <laughs> what it indicates. He walks up. Now, everyone would know who Elijah was. It's kind of like, well, who's the president? Who's the, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs? You wouldn't know that. But, but all, all of Israel would have known this dude. He's the voice of God to their generation. And he walks up to him. Elijah looks up. He's plowing, he's plowing, he's plowing. How many of you guys know that if you're plowing behind oxen all day, any change of view is a good change of view? Because oxen both plow and fertilize simultaneously, and you're stepping in it, and this guy's filthy. He looks up, and he sees this guy off in the distance. He looks up, he's closer, looks up, and he goes, I know that dude. And the guy walks right up to him, takes his cloak, his mantle. He puts it around him, and he walks away. How many of you guys know that something amazing has just taken place, but you wouldn't know it? It's like, here, son, you look cold. That's not what it meant. What the, what the prophet's mantle was was his anointing. It was a physical promise of something that was on its way in the spiritual world. Here, here's my mantle. He lays it on him, and he walks away. Look what Elijah says. Elijah understands he's being called to leave, to go, to do, to be. And Elijah then left his ox, and he runs after Elijah, the elder. He goes, wait, just hold it. <laughs> Don't walk away. Like, there's got to be plans. There's, i got to say goodbye. Let me kiss my mom. Let me kiss my dad. Let me, let me just say goodbye. He said, and, and, and then I'll come with you. I love what Elijah, the elder, says. What have I done with you? I, I, don't, I don't care if you come or not, kid. To be honest with you, not having a good day, don't like you, don't like what's going on. So here's my cloak, have a nice day. You figure it out. And Elijah goes, let me, let me go back, let me, let me kiss my mom goodbye. Well, he goes back, but he doesn't, he doesn't kiss the, uh, his mom and dad, at least he doesn't say it. He, he goes back, and he took his yoke of oxen, he slaughtered them, he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat on, and gave it to his people, and then he just books after Elijah the elder and becomes a servant. Now, it's a little hard to understand, but years later, uh, somewhere between four and eight years later, this story is going to pick up again in 2 Kings. So you understand what's happened. There's been an older generation. There's been an anointing on one generation that's been promised to the next generation. You guys still here? Somebody say amen. 
Here, here's our anointing. This is the miracles we did. This is what we know. This is who we are. And we're taking this mantle, we're placing it on someone who's filthy, covered in ox dung, is dusty, gritty, nasty. When he picks his nose, his eyes cross because there's dust that goes so far up in his sinus packages. It's just like he's, he's messed up. And so, he, he, but he says, this is where the anointing is going to fall if, if you'll be there when the anointing falls. So he's been through wars, crazy queens, terrible kings, famines, and now Elijah's time, the elder is just up, he's about to go, and watch what takes place, so walk with me, 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 1, when the Lord was about to take Elijah the elder up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah the elder and Elisha the younger were on their way from Gilgal, everybody say Gilgal, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, chill, relax, settle here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel, but Elijah said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not going to leave you. Keep reading. So when they went down to Bethel, the company of the prophets of Bethel came out to Elisha, the younger, and asked, did you know that the Lord's going to take I mean, we're all in the spirit thing. We can hear that he's about to go. Do you know he's going to be taken from me today? And Elisha, the younger, replied, yeah, so be quiet. I don't, yes, I know what's happening. You're not announcing something to me. I don't know. I just don't want to talk about it. Then Elijah, the elder, said to him, Elisha, the younger, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Jericho, a third city, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not leaving you, I'm not settling here, I'm not done, I'm not relaxed. Where you move, I move. So they went to Jericho. Now the company of the prophets of Jericho went up to Elisha the younger and asked him, do you know that the Lord's going to take your, your master from me today? He goes, yes, I, I know. Just be quiet. And then Elijah said to him, stay here. Three times now, he said, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. The Jordan's not a place, it's a barrier. It's a moving, living wall of water that flows from the Sea of Galilee down into the Dead Sea. It's impassable. They, there's no bridges across it. Once he gets to it and gets across it, he's stuck now on the east side of the Jordan River, also known as the, the wilderness or uh, the home of the, the Amorites, the home of the Philistines, the Stinkerites, all the bad guys, right? And as surely as the Lord lives, Elijah says, and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked down. Now, 50 men from the company of the prophets from Jericho, remember those guys? They stood at a distance facing where Elijah the elder and Elisha, his apprentice, had to stop at the Jordan. Elijah takes his cloak, this cloak that was laid over Elijah. You guys still doing good? 15 verses. Can you do it? Come on, American attention span. Can you hang there with me? He takes it, he rolls it up, and he slaps the water. Bam! And the water divides on the right and divides on the left, and the two of them cross over on dry ground. Now, when they crossed... They're over, and the water's flowing again, and now he's stuck. He's in the middle of nowhere with nothing, and his master's about to be taken away. Elijah the elder says to Elijah, tell me, what can I do for you? I, I'm about to split, and you know it. What can I do for you? This is, this is the key. You guys ready? I want to inherit a double portion of your spirit. I want a double dose of the Holy Ghost. I want my generation's miracles to be twice your generation's miracles. I, I want what God did in your world not to be a ceiling, but to be a floor on which I can stand to bring this nation into awe of the presence of God. I want the Holy Spirit of God to flow through me and to throw through this land and to throw through these people and those prophets on the other side of the river. I want a double dose of the Holy Ghost. And Elijah goes, well, you ain't asked for something easy, kid. When I'm taken, if you can still see me, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Now, as they're walking along the road, I love the way the Bible just says stuff. As they're walking along the road together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire. Like, you go, wait, stop. stop. So this is what happens. They're walking down, let's say from, oh, I don't know, I'll make, it the, I'll make it the guitar. They're walking along. They're hanging out. They're talking. All of a sudden, there's a noise that comes right behind them. They look, and they step 
apart, and now a chariot and horse of fire separate them. As it goes by, there's this whirlwind that's created by this, and it grabs Elijah, the elder, and it takes him up to heaven. You say, well, the Bible just said that? Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah. How does that apply to my life? I have no idea, but ain't it cool, right? Separate the two. Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha the younger saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. It, it, it'd be better for Israel to lose its, its artillery, its tanks, its jets, its battleships, its aircraft carriers that'll lose you. Come back. And he saw him no more. Now look at this. Then he took hold of his garment and he tore it. W-W-E. Elijah, that's what happens. He tore what he was wearing, but he picked up what was left behind. Get this. Then he picked up Elijah, the elder's cloak. Remember that cloak from 1 Kings wrapped around his shoulder? Remember that cloak that just slapped the water? Remember that cloak, the, the anointing, the mantle? He picked it up and he stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water, same water, same cloak, and he strikes it and he asked the question, bam, where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, it was divided to the right and to the left and he crossed over. Now the company of the prophets from Jericho who are watching said the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet and they bowed down to the ground before him. How many of you guys think that's a pretty cool story? Is that too long for you guys? I'm out of breath. I was acting it out. I was slapping water and stuff. Did the best I could. But understand this. There's there's three stops. And please, if you've ever heard a sermon I've said, hear this one. There's three times the elder tries to get the younger to stop. There's three times, and it's, I would say three tests. I would say three temptations. I would say three compromises that were made. If you want to stop here, you can stop here. There's nothing wrong with stopping here. But I'm going on. And those three places, it starts with Gilgal, the place of beginnings. If you understand Old Testament history, Gilgal was that place where when Joshua first crossed, again, the Jordan River parts because there's no bridge. It's an impossibility. It's a barrier. Their enemies know it, but they walk across on dry ground. As they came across on dry ground, Joshua gave these instructions. Each man, one man from each tribe, I want you to pick up the biggest rock you can carry. Just grab it out of the middle of the the Jordan River, that which could never be accessed because of the flow of water, that which has never been exposed since that river, through through time immemorial, since the flood dissipated on the earth that's been stuck down there. Pick that up and carry it out, and we're going to build an altar. So they built an altar with 12 stones, one for each of the 12 tribes. And did you know that for the rest of Israel's history, if they were involved in some fight, some battle, some enemy that they couldn't overcome, do you know the altar they went to to inquire to the Lord? They went to Gilgal. Why? Because that was the place of beginnings. They would stand at that altar and they'd say, my daddy's, 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 daddy. Grab that rock out of that river when God gave us this land. God, how will we defeat the Amalekites? How will we defeat the Amorites? How will we defeat the Stinkerites, the Philistines? How, what, what gave them the courage? They went back to that altar. How many of you guys know that altars are the place you get to go back to where God reminds you of what he has done and what he will do again? And that was Gilgal. They, they renewed the covenant of circumcision there. And that's all I have to say about that. And uh, it's this place of salvation. And I, I want you to know something, guys. Hear me. There are so many people, and, you're, and if this is you, hear my heart. I'm not, I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying you're not saved enough. I'm not saying you're half saved. I'm not saying God's grace is insufficient. But I want you to know something. There's more in Jesus than just the forgiveness of sins. I raised my hand. I said the prayer. You know, I, I, re, I recited the spell, I fled from hell. Like, that's it? No. If you are right with God, what did God save you from? I want to hear about it, but what did God save you for? And, and if you stop at Gilgal, an unfortified city, 
It was, it was uncivilized. It, it was a beginning place. It wasn't, it wasn't the Lexus. It was the Volkswagen Beetle. Sorry if you drive either one of those cars. It, it was, it, it was, it's an incomplete thing. Are you in the promised land? Yes. You're in the promised land by about 10 feet. But there's so much more in this promised land than a pile of rocks. And so he says to him, Elijah, why, why, don't, you, why don't you stay here? And Elijah goes, as surely as the Lord lives, old man. I didn't, I didn't fight armies. I didn't resist evil queens. I didn't put up with crazy kings. I didn't put up with famines. You put something around my shoulders years ago, and it was a guarantee of something that was on its way to me, and I am waiting for that thing, and it will not be found in the place of beginnings. It's a deeper work. It's a deeper truth. Are you guys still here? Stay here. He goes, I won't stay here. And I'm telling you something. There are those who are comfortable in Gilgal, and they'll build their tents there, and they'll plant their gardens there, and they'll graze their sheep there. And God bless you. You're in the promised land. But I want you to notice something today. There's a lot more in the kingdom of God than Gilgal. There's a lot more in the kingdom of God than his salvation for your life. And he says, stay here. He says, I won't do it. And he says, then we're going to go to Bethel. Bethel is the... Bethel, Elohim being one of the common names for God in the Old Testament. Bethel is, El is the shorter version of Elohim. Bethel, the house of, so the house of God. This is where Jacob had a vision of angels going up and down a ladder, ascending and descending. He goes, oh my gosh, I, I'm, I'm standing at like the house. I'm, this is the front door to heaven. I'm, I'm in big trouble. He has this vision, right? And it, a lot of cool things happen. Bethel had a wall. It had a well. It was a civilized place. There was commerce. It was on a more traveled way. It was farther north into, the, into Judea. It wasn't so far south by the Dead Sea. It had green pastures and green fields. It was a much nicer place. It was the house of God. Let me say again, just so we're not confusing the parable. I raised my hand. I said the prayer. I'm not going to hell. And I went right back to, you know, watching Michigan defeat Ohio State. Like, whatever, Right? But there are others who'll say, well, I, I'm not satisfied with that. I'd actually like to get a spiritual family. I want to become a part of the house of God. Can I tell you something? Like, and please hear my heart. I am so glad that you're here today. I am so glad that many of you have made a commitment to Christ. I'm so glad that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I can hardly stand it. But I am telling you, if you come to church, God bless you. But I don't think the church is a place to come to. I think it's a place to believe I think it's a place to understand what you're supposed to be doing, what God saved you from. Let's celebrate it together in song. But what did God save you for? And I'm telling you, there is so much more than going to church. There's so much more than that, that I, I go once a month. And I enjoy it every time I go. I feel so encouraged. I'm down this week. I'm going to go to the house of God. I'm having a good week, and I want to share with somebody. I'm going to go to the house of God once a month, twice a month. And this is like to get you to come to church more often. Do you get that? But can you see it? You can, get, you can get settled in. I raise my hand. I'm going to heaven. I'm a part of a Bible-believing church. Isn't that good? Stay here. And Elijah goes, nope, old man. What I'm after will not be found in the place of beginnings, and it won't be found in the safety of community. What I'm looking for is deeper. It's longer. It's harder. I'm going I'm to die for this. I'm going to live for this. I will not stay as surely as the Lord lives and as you live. I vow I will not be stuck being a church attender when God has so much more for me. Okay, let's go to Jericho then. Jericho, you've understood the story of Jericho. Joshua and the army walks around it seven days, and on the seventh day they walk around it seven times. They shout, God collapses the walls, they run straight in. It's an amazing story, and there was a curse put on that place. You say, curse? Like, yeah, legit, Bible curse, not like Ouija board curse, like Bible curse. If this, if this is ever rebuilt, it will be at the life 
of the firstborn son of the man who rebuilds it. History, sure enough, says it was rebuilt, and guess what happened? The son of the chief architect of that city was killed in the process of it being built. But it was rebuilt. And because of its significance, kind of like going to San Antonio and remembering the Alamo, it's like it was a terrible defeat, but we, you know, remember the Alamo? They, they, they jump out of the airplanes and they shout Alamo or Geronimo. They, there, there's, that, there's this part of their history. And so it, it had become, Jericho in this day was kind of like a Yale, an Oxford, a Harvard, an MIT. It was, like, it was like the center of higher spiritual disciplines and higher learning. You notice that there were prophets in Bethel, but there's 50 of them of the company of prophets. There's, there's hundreds of prophets that are in their schooling. It's, it's the place you get your master's degree, your PhD in prophetic ministry. It's, the, it's this next place. It's higher learning. So let's go back again. I want you to stay here at this, this place of beginnings. He goes, I won't do it. You guys still here? I, well, then let's just proceed to the house of God. Let's just let, stay here. Just be a good Christian. Go be faithful to the house of the Lord, brother. No. Well, then, then here's this place of higher learning. You can learn the hermeneutics of Luke and historiography. You can learn your gifts and how to exercise them in, in ways that benefit people. You, you can get a, you get a BS degree and a PhD, which is just BS piled higher and deeper. I'm sorry, I haven't been to college yet, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But I always thought those initials were funny. Just more BS, more BS. And, and he says, as surely as the Lord lives, hear me. And as you live, I won't do it. Worship team, join me if you would. I won't do it. I won't do it. What's going on here? I'm not settling for being saved. I'm not settling for being a good guy in the house of God. I'm not settling for knowing the hermeneutics of Luke and historiography and memorizing the books of the Bible and slapping red two and, and getting 20 points for my team. And there's nothing wrong. How many of us, there's nothing wrong with salvation? Come on. There's nothing wrong with the house of God. Come on. There's nothing wrong with higher learning in Jericho. But, but he says, there's one more thing we're going to do. He's, I'm on my way to go to the, to the Jordan River. And what's the Jordan River all about? Well, that's the place of no return. Once you're on the other side of this, you are cut off from everything and everyone. You will be in a unique and lonely place where God has purposed the death of everything that doesn't belong to him. What happened in the wilderness? It wasn't a picnic, man. God dropped manna, but an entire generation died in the wilderness because it was not a nice place. Those who were under the age of, was it 20 years old, I think it was, they were rose, rose up in the faith. They didn't have the slavery tendencies. They were allowed to take the promised land. But I want you to hear me. Once they're on the east side of the Jordan River, they're in no man's land. And they're in enemy territory. To get back to where there's friendly stuff, you have to go down south around the Dead Sea, which there's no fresh water. It's incredibly hot, difficult terrain. And there's not even like places to walk. It's not like there's a road. Nobody wants to be there. Or you go up north all the way through enemy territory, the Decapolis, all those areas that are filled with foreign gods, foreign people, and you'll be a lonely person, a single person on the wrong side of the tracks, the wrong side of that walking around. My son Joshua went to the Ohio State game yesterday. It was his birthday gift. Today is Joshua's birthday. Happy birthday, Joshua, wherever you are. And I said, hey, you're going to be walking by yourself, regardless of whether Ohio State wins or loses. You're going to be by yourself. I said, be Be careful. And, oh, you're up here, that's why, yeah. So I said, I said, have you thought about, like, an exit plan? Are you carrying your keys, you know, so you can punch somebody, hit them in the throat, and knock them out? Are you, are you, you have mace on you. Are you ready, you know? Mace and blue, whatever you got to do, buddy. You know what I mean? And he said, I'm all set, Dad. He said, I've got a gray and red sweatshirt on and a blue and gold T-shirt underneath. So if they jump me because they're Michigan, I'll say, hey, I'm one of you. And if they don't, it's like, oh, go Ohio State. I'm ready either way, Right? And, and in, in this situation, like he would be, Elisha would be on the wrong, he'd be like in Columbus, Ohio, painted blue and gold. And he's a target. And so he finally asked him this question. 
What do you want? Freedom Center, hear me. I am so glad you've made your commitments to Christ. I really am. I am so overwhelmed with the blessing of the knowledge that many of you have, have committed to Christ right here. Dave Carlton, good friend of mine, we were standing in these altars when this place was under construction. And I was mad because people didn't show up for a church work day. <laughs> he had a big smile on his face. And I just wanted to hit him. You ever been down and people won't join your pity party? They want to lift you up and you just want to smack them for it? Isn't this a beautiful day? Like, shut up. What are you smiling at, Dave? He said, I'm smiling because right where we're cleaning right now, hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of lives will be changed because this is where they're going to give their life to Jesus. I'm so glad you've made it to Gilgal. (laughs) I'm so glad you've made it to Gilgal and your hearts are circumcised and there's an altar of that experience in your life. I'm so glad that you're at Bethel. You're you're in the house of God today. No one forced you to be here. We have no guilt culture by which if you're not here more than two times a month, then you're a a, a two-star Christian when you could be a four-star Christian. That doesn't exist here. Many of you are in like Pastor Carl's Bible studies. They use big words. And, and they study the word and they get into it. And man, I, I'm so glad. But when he asked that question, what do you want? I love the answer. He says, what I want is the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know something. The Holy Spirit is at Gilgal. And the Holy Spirit is at Bethel. And the Holy Spirit is at Jericho. Do you see that? But what he's saying is, I, I don't want to be where God has been. I want to be where God is going. And the only way to get from where I am in these experiences, in these places, in these traditions, the only way to get from here to there is to be on the wave of what God is doing next. He takes that mantle. His mentor is gone. That thing that was laid over his shoulders years ago was laid upon him, and, and, and now it's fallen from heaven. He picks it up. He walks back. And he doesn't know what he has or doesn't have. There's no warm fuzzies. There's no bright light shining. There's no voice from heaven. There's no angelic choir. It's just him in a robe that he's seen for the last four to eight years. He takes it and he slaps the water and he says, where now? I don't know. I, th- I hope, I think, I believe. But where now is the God of Elijah? But I have one last question for you. And this is the question I want you to hear. I've said all of this to say this. I know where the God of Elijah is. How about you? <laughs> What I want to know is where are the Elishas of God? People would say, I'm not happy. I'm not settled. I'm not satisfied. I, I'm not angry. I'm not upset. I'm not accusatory. I just church. If that church, the church of the church, and you should give an altar call at the church. And I, in the Greek, the original language says this, but the Passion Translation says that. Shut your pie hole. If you don't have the goal of the Holy Ghost, shut your pie hole. If you can't demonstrate heaven on earth, I don't care about your arguments about what Bethel should look like and what Gilgal should be and what Jericho should be talking about. My quest today is to get you to see there's so much more of God that is represented in these towns and over and over and over again, an older generation said, just stay here. This is where our stories are. But I'm telling you, I... I, I don't know if you feel it with me, but I feel it. There's a shift in the spirit. God's about to do a new thing. And, and he won't do a new thing because, because we, we try to repeat old patterns where he was. He'll do a new thing because we are where he is. Would you stand your feet and nobody leave? Come on. We got plenty of time. I, I asked the worship team to kind of abbreviate the early parts we'll have this time. In a moment, we're going to open the altars for anybody that would just say, I, I'd rather be at an altar doing this than in my seat doing this. And maybe like, what are you even talking about? Who is the Holy Spirit? This is all I know. This is what I know. 
God has presented himself in three ways. God the Father, we would call like God. God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, how is the Holy Spirit different? The Holy Spirit is, is the person of the Trinity who comes inside of us and empowers us to do the things we can't do. By a show of hands, anybody ever known something that you, there's no really, way of really knowing, but you, like you, somebody was, you had a concern for somebody, you called them, they said, it's funny you called today. Or you just felt something. I, I just happened the other day. I actually said it out loud to my wife. I feel like this is about to happen. And I want to say it verbally because I, I want this to be an encouragement of a testimony because I feel like the Lord just spoke to me. The next day, guess what happened? Somebody said, boom. And that which was impossible to know was known the day before. How many of you ever had that experience? Let me see your hand. Okay, that's, that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father is God the Father. God the Son has died in your place to forgive your sins so that God the Holy Spirit now can come and move inside of a cleansed temple you. And though those gifts, that love, that sacrifice, that, that ability to do what you can't do, to know what you can't know, to say what you can't say. Anybody ever asked you a hard question and you're like, I don't know the answer, but you started talking and words started coming out? Anybody ever had that one before? Anybody ever been answering somebody's deep question and as you're talking, you're like, I have no idea where this is going, but my mouth is moving? Anybody ever had that one? Happens to me all the time. Sometimes in front of you. What am I saying? That's the Holy Spirit. Say, I have no experience with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do. What I'm asking you to do is this. If you're cool at Gilgal, then wonderful. If you're cool at Bethel, I can't, I can, I'm not going to try to break you loose from that. It's a good place. If you're cool with the Bible studies and the, you know, the interactive and the hermeneutics of Lubinus Diagraphy, that's wonderful. Really, it is. It's wonderful. But wonderful is not necessarily full of wonder. In the wilderness, on that side of the Jordan River, God has something for people that will go to those places that are desperate for more. And we are a good church, and it's easy and good worship to kind of not necessarily be a good worshiper because the music's so good. I can just hum along. It'll be good next week too. Next, you know what I mean? The, the preaching of the word, the, the fellowship. We've we got a good Gilgal going here, guys. we got a great Bethlehem happening. Are you with me? I mean, we got Jericho. If you want the keys, I'll give you the keys to the executive room of Jericho. You'll be there this afternoon studying something. What I feel the Holy Spirit saying through this whole book of Acts and in my life is this. There's another place for those who won't settle for the other places. It's not a place of being angry about the other places. It's not a place of saying, well, back in my day, where, where's all the miracles? Stop. That other place is a place where God is pouring out things that just, they just show up and blow up without criticism, without division. So I want you to do this all over. Close your eyes right now. If there's anything in this world, in this life that stands between your heart and his heart. I want you right now to get rid of it. Father, we, we break off all connection to those things. Porn, um, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, fear, chronic anxiety, depression. We break. Those chains are no longer our chains. Those things we may have given ourselves to that have become spiritual forces in our lives, we plead the blood of Jesus over every single one. Break every chain in the name of Jesus off of our lives. Forgive us of the smallest of sins and the greatest of infidelities, God. Forgive us, wash us, cleanse us. How many guys know that what God has done for you is far more powerful than what you've done? If that's true, say amen. You know that what God has done for you through Jesus, that sacrifice, that, that payment for something we owed, he paid for us, is more powerful than what we've done. To say otherwise is to say your actions are greater than God's actions. I, I, I've never met a man that arrogant. I've never met a, a woman that self-centered that you would say, I am greater than God himself. 
what he has done is all sufficient for every sin we have ever committed. Do you believe that? Say amen. Welcome to Gilgal. He wants us to be in fellowship. He wants us to be together. Welcome to Bethel. You agree with that? Say amen. He wants us to study his word, to, to apply it, to study to show ourselves approved workmen who don't need to be ashamed, who can correctly handle the word of truth. You see that? Say amen. So what's left? Why is there a hunger and a thirst in areas of your life when you have townhouses in all, all three places? What do you want? Stop. What do you want? Here we are. What do you want? And Elisha the younger looks at his predecessor. He says, I want a double dose. <laughs> I want a double dose of the Holy Ghost. It's not a place. It's, um, it's not a place. Uh, you are the place. It's not a Gilgal. It's not a Bethel. It's not a Jericho. It's not a Jordan. It's you. You are the place that the Spirit of God wants to baptize today. What do you mean by baptize? You know, last week we baptized people. They went in dry. They came out wet. Does that make sense? Every fiber, every square inch, everything we could see was soaked in the medium in which we baptized them. What's it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Every fiber, (laughs) every square inch, inside and outside, empowered, touched, blessed, freed, loved, healed by God himself, the Holy Spirit. By God himself, the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that in these next couple of songs you create an atmosphere, an altar, a place that takes us beyond any place we've ever been before. I'm telling you, hear me, church, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven, the domain of the king of heaven, Jesus Christ, it's at hand. If you were to reach out right now, you would touch it. You could grasp it. So as the worship team plays these songs, would you just find a place in your heart for more of God? More of God. More of God. Holy Spirit, come. Come on, intercessors, pray with me right now. Holy Spirit, come. The altars are open. If you want to come to the altars, great. If not, make an altar right where you are. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and soak. Saturate us, God. Saturate us, God.